shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Y'all ready for this? Come on, come on. What is going on, Human Hope listeners? Welcome to episode 85 of the Human Hope Podcast. This is your host, Carlos Enrique with the Gil Guzman and Chibol Cabello, or Los for short. And I'm here for you. It is Thursday, November the 17th. Did I say that or not? It's so funny. My son came walking down into the basement right when I started dancing, like right when I started moving. The smile on his face. Come on, let's show everybody the smile on your face. Look, look, here, here's a smile on his face right there. And I looked over to my left and there he was. Uh, let's go ahead and say hey in the mic. Hey everyone! What's going on? <laughs> it's the Los and Losias show. It is. Um, how was youth group tonight? It was phenomenal. Wait, it was? It was actually a phenomenon. Oh wow! It was a phenomenon. A phenomenon. Oh, if you guys are on YouTube right now, you can be. First of all, you can see the fresh, just the freshness that my son is wearing. Um, okay, in thirty seconds, tell me why youth group was phenomenal tonight, Lo. Uh, first of all. Phenomena was a song we sang. Oh, okay. Yeah. Boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, it was we pl- we did worship and the service in like the big in the auditorium. Uh huh. Oh, so that's it fun. was like it was crazy. Yeah, like, it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And the message was good. The message was good. My friend Caden Estrada did this thing called like he did like a five minute speech up there. Oh, let's go. Um, and it was crazy. So. Yeah. Man, well, thanks for sharing. Hey, listen, look at this. A little guest appearance from Losiah Whitaker himself. Uh, he's he's all up on the camera on the YouTube channel. You guys can see him. Um, and listen, today's show, um, Lord Jesus, have some mercy on my soul. It, I, 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 There's been a lot of incredible stories on the Human Hope Podcast. 
But today's may just take the inspiration cake. We've already been inspired by Losiah, um, and we're going to be inspired by a new friend of many of you. A lot of you are never going to have heard of this guy before, um, and you're never going to forget him. And we'll get to that in just a second. But I want to solve something first. Okay. It is Wednesday, November 17th. Excuse me. Today is Wednesday as I'm recording this. When you're listening, this is Thursday. But there are now 39 days until Christmas. I need everyone that's listening to this podcast right now to collectively freak out if you haven't started shopping for Christmas. Okay. 39 days. It's 38 days if it's it's the day that you're listening to this podcast. 38. That is it. Y'all know things are going to start already selling out before Black Friday. So just know that I'm here for you. In my front yard right now, it's it's like 80% finished. We still have a, a couple more lights to put up on the roof and a couple more lights around the windows. Um, but uh, we, um, we're, we're close. We're close. I need Heather's help for a few things. And here's the deal. It's the 17th of November. I've been putting up my Christmas decorations since the 1st of November. So, but because I travel so much, because I, um, you know, I'm on the road, I can only decorate every so often. So like, I can only like put, uh, put my lights up for like two days and then I got to go on a trip, then put my lights for two more days and I go, got to go on a trip. So like, it's taken a little bit of time, uh, but we're almost there. We're almost there. So my question to you is, is it too soon? 39 days before Christmas to start decorating for Christmas or is it just in time or is it too late? That's my question because I started decorating November 1st and if I could, I'd start October 1st. I just love Christmas. Today was the day that Heather took up all the boxes upstairs and she has been decorating the tree. It looks glorious. It looks beautiful upstairs. Uh, And I'm so proud of her Pinterest skills in our home. Um, What else is going on? I mean, there's a lot happening right now. Uh, Here, something just for you. Um, why don't, why don't you guys be the first ones that get to hear about this? Listen, you're, you're the podcast listeners. You get to be the first ones that listen to this. If you head to, this is crazy. I can't even believe I get to tell you this. www.carloswhitaker.com. That's my name. There's a brand new website. I have a brand new website. Now look, that sounds like the most 2010 thing to be excited about, but let me tell you a couple weeks ago, Instagram went down and not only did it go down, I started losing followers, thousands of followers at a time. And over the course of two hours, I lost over 7,000 Instagram followers because of some glitch. And suddenly I realized I am living and running my entire business on rented turf, right? Like I don't own Instagram. I mean, y'all see what's going on over at Twitter right now. Who knows if Twitter's even going to be around in a week and so I started freaking out and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've got to, I've got to, I got to fix this. So in order for us to not go away, I mean, you guys are already subscribed to the podcast, right? But again, we're renting ground on the podcast, on YouTube, all this stuff can go away. You know what can't go away? Your email. And if you go to my website right now, I'm going to make sure that it's, it's all still working. Um, CarlosWhitaker.com. Oops. Yep. And you click on it. You're going to see me on there. You're going to scroll down for a second. You're going to see like all this fun, cool stuff. You can see pre-order my book. You're going to see the podcast. Y'all are there. But then at the very bottom, it says, join the Mas Familia email list. Now, why did I call it Mas Familia? 
Well, I got the Insta Familia. I got the Human Hope Familia. And now I'm going to have the Mas Familia. Mas simply means more. So it's basically more of everything, right? Every single week, I'm going to be sending out an email um, that may have a teaching from me, may have an extra podcast episode from me that nobody's heard of. It may have um, some links to some things that I'm using that I think are awesome, may have like a link to a motivational video, something inspiration. I just want a way to make sure that I'm still connected to you every single week without worrying that some social media platform is going to fold. So if you guys wouldn't mind, do me a favor. Let me see how well you listen. Let me, I'm, I'm going to, cause I'm not going to tell anyone else first. I'm just going to tell the podcast fam. So all day long on Thursday today, while you're listening to this or Friday, whenever it is, go to carloswhitaker.com, scroll down to the bottom and join the Mas Familia email list. When you join, uh, you'll get an email right away telling you what it's going to be. But I would love for you to do that. Uh, It helps my little small business and it helps me stay connected to you. Man, that's a lot of announcements at the beginning of this conversation. And so um, without further ado, what I want to do right now is introduce you to this human being that I told y'all, I told y'all, you're you're never going to forget this guy ever. His name is Eve. That's right. But it's spelled Y-V-E-S. Hello. I would have pronounced it Yeves, but I learned when we hung out a couple weeks ago uh, that is na- in Utah that his name's Eve. And here's the thing. Eve is going to, um, Eve is going to show us, his last name is Dushima. He's going to show us exactly what healing and forgiveness looks like. Now you may be thinking, oh, okay, I mean, well, you know what? Like I've got, I've, I know people that are forgiven people, you know, people have cheated on them or broke that, uh, you know, yeah, all of that is fine. And I think all of that is actually like, I've had to forgive people that have wounded and traumatized me. I don't know anybody. I've never met anybody who was wounded or as traumatized as Eve and his family, because let me tell you why Eve He's from the country of Rwanda. And in 1994, before the genocide, his mother was pregnant with him and his father. uh, And he had an older brother, I think. And in a matter of 100 days, I don't know if you guys know anything about the genocide in Rwanda, but in a matter of 100 days, neighbors began to kill neighbors because they weren't in the same tribe and over 1 million people were killed. And Eve, his mother and his father escaped out of Rwanda. His grandparents were killed. His uncles were killed. His aunts were killed. His cousins were killed. He had no extended family left. And he was actually born in a refugee camp. And the anger and the rage that began to consume him in his childhood years were taken away by somebody that was being human and seeing him. Y'all know my book is all about be human, see humans, free humans. And if there's ever been a more perfect story on how seeing a human can actually lead to freeing them, Eve's story is it. Friends, I mean, I don't want to get into his story. I'm going to let you hear it from him uh, yourself. But this is one that you're going to want to um, really breathe it all in. It's going to feel like breath in your lungs, like you haven't felt in a long time. So ladies and gentlemen, 
ladies and gentlemen. Why am I calling y'all ladies and gentlemen? Friends and familia, um, enjoy this conversation with the brand new Human Hope cousin, Eve Dushima. Okay, Human Hope Familia, I am here with your new best friend that you don't even know is your new <laughs> best friend yet, my friend Eve Dushime. Eve, say what's up to the Human Hope family. What's up, guys? How you doing? Oh man. Well, I hear them. They're cheering. They're excited. They're telling you <laughs> they're telling you we're better than ever. Uh, after seeing your smiling face. The only people that can see your face are on the YouTube channel. Everyone else is listening to your beautiful voice. And, you know, I've kind of already set up kind of where I met you and um, uh, how your story truly impacted me. I mean, I'm listen, bro, I travel full time for a living. I see <laughs> people speak on stage every week. I, I mean, I'm inspired in some way, shape or form. But brother, yeah. your story I, I immediately went up to you afterwards and I was like, I, I need to have you on my podcast because the podcast is called human hope. And I think that your story can offer hope in various ways. It's funny. You asked me right before we started recording. So what are we going to talk about? <laughs> I did and, and what, what did I say? What did I say? <laughs> is that Holy spirit go is your <laughs> motto. You know, that's we'll it. figure it out. So here we that's, are having a conversation. He, that's right, man. Here we are having a conversation. So why don't you do this? Why don't you tell everybody um, just a little bit about your story? Not a little bit. Tell us your story. Um, and what, where I want you to start from is actually, um, I, I'd love for you to start from the point where you were just you were angry as a young man because of yeah. things in your past. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, my family is originally from Rwanda um, and... Uh, if you know anything about Rwanda, which is a tiny little country in the heart of Africa, you know, uh, my, my people have gone through a lot. And, mm. um, so the Rwandan genocide, which took place in 1994 is at the, it's at the center of, of my universe and, and, and would come to be for my entire life. Uh, and I didn't even know it would be because I was born, um, a month after my family fled, uh, Rwanda in the refugee camps of Congo. And if you're listening and you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, in 1994 in Rwanda, there was a, a genocide, two tribes, Hutus and Tutsis that were struggling for power. And um, within 100 days uh, of the first shot being fired, 1 million people had been killed um, and killed for the crime, the quote unquote crime of being born in an ethnic group they never chose to be born into. So wow. I, I, I've never met my grandparents, my grandma, my grandfather. I've never met my uncles, my, my cousins. Um, they were killed uh, for a choice they never made. Wow. And, you know, the only extended family member I've ever met to this very day uh, is my mom's little sister. Um, oh. And everyone else uh, lost their lives uh, for a choice they never made. And, you know, growing up as a, as a kid, Carlos, I, I struggled to understand just... Uh, how could people do this? You know, how could you, how could people do this thing? And I went out of my way to just look for answers everywhere I could. But in my quest for answers, I didn't find any, none that were good enough. And well, that's I mean, where I, that I, anger started. I can't imagine. Can, can you really quickly, before we get to where that anger started, yeah. I, I want the listener to really get this. 
when you say you only have met one extended family member, can, can you be specific as to like maybe how many of your family or like when you say your whole family, like, do you really mean your yeah. whole family? <laughs> yeah. So um, to be specific, I've met my mom, my dad, uh, my siblings, um, adopted or otherwise. Yeah. And my mom's little sister. Okay. Um, that's it. That's all the people I've met in my entire family. Everyone else is um, dead or presumed dead. Um, wow. Because of what happened in, in Rwanda. And how many siblings did your mom and your dad have? So, so I have um, three brothers and two sisters. My parents adopted two, uh, two more kids uh, throughout our journey, our 15-year journey as refugees. Uh, um, and, you know, we're all kind of all over the world uh today but yeah. that experience that that those 15 years that we spent uh moving from refugee camp to refugee camp slum to slum around africa has kind of made us who we are today and 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 it can be it's expressed in the the, the things we do the work we do uh mm. in this very day in each and every single one of us but yeah, yeah. uh literally yeah. mom dad siblings mom's little sister that's it so grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, they're, they, they all were gone. gone in the genocide. Okay. So yeah. take us to, take us to now your, your, your parents flee. They're living as refugees. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're born and you're starting, you're, you're living and growing up in a refugee as a refugee. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom was eight months pregnant with me, uh, when she fled Rwanda and this woman, at eight months pregnant, Carlos walked for two weeks so I could live. Wow. Um, she's my hero. She is my hero and I love her to death. And um, I have spent every minute of every day making sure that that sacrifice she made is worth it. Um, and, you know, early on in the, in the refugee camps, I was born in the refugee camps in Goma, um, which is a tiny town in, in, in Congo. And uh, growing up, so we bounced around quite a bit, but the one thing that remained the same everywhere we went was I began to realize that some of the other people, the other families in, in the tents around us um, had extra people, right? They had uncles right. yeah <laughs> extra aunties. i like extra people yeah yeah you know so i began to you know the older i got i began to ask questions like you know where are where are the rest of our people you know how come we don't have where's grandma uh, where's mm. where's grandpa and uh so i you know i began to learn what had happened uh, in the genocide to the rest of my family uh but it, it made no sense to me. I still, sure. even to this day, I can't process the thought of someone killing someone else for something, for a choice they never made. Right, like, right. like today in, in today's world, we experience that in different shapes or form, like someone uh, hating someone else for a choice they never had, you know, like people, you know, for example, racism, if, if you will, you know, just disliking someone for a choice they literally never made. Well, mm -hmm. Rwandan folks took it an extra step and, and took the lives of many, but, you know, I needed to understand. So I went out of my way to pick up any article any journals, any anything, any books I could find uh, along our journey that could just shed some light um, 
but I didn't find any answers. And, and that mm. left me brokenhearted, uh, angry, but more than that, it left me with a hatred for humanity because for wow. 100 days, the world just stood idly by mm. while a million of my people were being murdered and they did nothing to try and stop it. And that anger and that hatred consumed every bit of who I was and I saw no way out. So you're, how old are you when you finally feel completely consumed by that anger? Oh my gosh. I, on paper, I would have been 10, 11. Really? Yeah. But you know, we were, we were forced to grow up so fast, Carlos. We were, um, so I might've been a 10 year old, but in my Mm. head, I was 15, 16 years old, just buried in anger. And, and, and when you when you say you were forced to grow up so fast, obviously, being uh, the Rwandan genocide would will do that to somebody. It'll mm. it'll do that to a a young yeah. uh, a young a young person's soul. Um, yeah. So so what did that what did that look like to be that angry at ten years old? Are you are you out of the refugee camps at this point? Are you still in the refugee camps at this point? Yeah, so we've we've since moved uh, moved out. Uh, in two thousand and eight, uh, the United Nations High Commission for Refugee uh, for Refugees was able to resettle my family uh, through a refugee resettlement program, which is not very common, by the way. Mm. Out of all the refugees in the world, which, by the way, right now there are ninety eight million in the world right wow. now. Wow! Um, only one to two percent will ever be resettled anywhere. Wow. So ninety eight percent will be born there like I was, grow up there and and die there, which is wow. just devastating. Um, and that number is only growing uh, with all the crises around the world, the most recent one in Ukraine. Um, but we were resettled. We were one of the few that got out. Um, mm. And we were resettled to Buffalo, New York in 2008 and have pursued a different life since. And... Um, you know, in the last 14, 15 years, um, that, that, that anger has, um, found its way out of my heart through a few things that we can talk through here in a a second. Um, and, um, my, my heart has found room for love and compassion and a commitment to making sure everyone in the world within the sphere of my influence can live up to their optimal potential. And that's where we are today, Carlos. Wow. Eve, um, how old are you when you move from, um, to Buffalo. How, how, how old were you? I was almost 15 years old. Okay. Carlos. Almost yeah. 15 years old. And, and where was the last place you mo- you lived before you moved to Buffalo? So we lived in Lome in Togo in West Africa. So way on the other side of, of East Africa where we were before that. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you're living in Togo and what time of year did you move to Buffalo? Do you remember? Was it winter? October, was it summer? October 29, 2008. And man, it felt like we had moved to the frozen tundras of Russia or something. It's crazy. It was madness. Okay, that's Pick what I want to I want to ask you. Yeah. Pick up a family from a 90, 95 degree weather every single day and drop them in upstate New York. Madness. Absolute madness. If you shield away from challenges, you wouldn't be the person you are today. 
So do you need to hire someone who loves a good challenge as much as you do? To find them fast, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Now listen, Indeed helps star applicants shine before the interview with, listen to this, over 135 graded assessment tests they can take. From cooking, if you need someone to cook, to coding, if you need someone to code. Indeed helps you see your top talent's abilities in a flash by adding any of the 135 graded assessment tests to your job post. Listen, this sounds absolutely incredible. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every single dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just visit indeed.com slash human hope to start hiring right now. Just go to indeed.com slash human hope. That is indeed.com slash human hope. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Listen, when my daughter turned 12 years old, I thought I was losing my mind. Why? Because it felt like she was broken. Something inside her broke and I wish I had a preteen or tween manual. I wish life came with a user manual, but you know what I slowly realized going to therapy was that it wasn't her that needed the help. It was me. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which is what I needed to handle years 12 to 14 of parenting my tween age daughter. Listen, BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient, secure, and accessible anywhere, 100% online. So now, I want to let you know the benefits that I've seen in therapy in my own life. It has not only helped me, it's helped my wife, it's helped my kids, all individually, and it's helped us as a family unit. Everybody deserves to feel their best. BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash human hope. That is better help H E L P dot com slash human hope. That's that's so funny. So here you are, a fifteen year old, but pulled up from Africa, and you land in Buffalo, New York. Go ahead and begin to take us through the reality of first. First of all, I would love to just hear your point of view as a refugee family that was resettled because I've actually had. uh, when when everything was happening in Afghanistan last year, I had uh, somebody that was still living there. Their, their family was getting resettled uh, here in America. So uh, just from your point of view, tell us about what that process looked like for your family. 
Well, my parents applied for resettlement in 2001, first of all. Oh, wow. Yeah. So seven years went by uh, of us being uh, vetted, if you will, um, to make sure we were telling credible stories and that our lives were genuinely at risk. Uh, which is insane, by the way, for yeah. I can't even get into. Um, yeah, you can. How, <laughs> man, don't get me started. Um, I have a friend who, who worked for um, um, the, the, you know, the refugee resettlement system uh, in, in Malaysia. And she recently told me about her work in, in that part of the world and how she was on a team of, you know, 20, 30 something year olds. And their job was to read through files of applicants and they had two stamps, credible, not credible. And that, no that as it relates to their stories, like, oh, they're telling, and that's what these stamps said. They're telling, this is, this is a credible story. Their lives is really, uh, uh, their lives are really at risk or they're not. And that, that prompted her to move out of that space and look for some other way to be more impactful. Uh, mm. But I, I began to understand from that point forward why it took seven years, you know? Um, not only that, but you got to find a place to put the refugees, right? Governments have yeah. to come together and agree, look, we're going to take some of these folks in and that's not always easy. To me, wow. it seems easy, but I'm riddled and biased for <laughs> obvious reasons. Sure. Um, but, but it's not always the case. And when we first got to the States, oh my goodness, uh, I remember the first... The most memorable story, if I can share it right now. Yes, please, please. That's you what know, I want. We, we walk into, um, you know, we get picked up at the airport. First of all, we shown up in our little polo shirts because that's all <laughs> yeah. we had. So they were ready with coats and, 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 and hats and things. And they drove us to our house. And I remember um, uh, the lady that that uh, that was driving the van, um, and one of the members of of the the church group that took us in, uh, that sort of adopted us, Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Buffalo, New York. Okay. Shout out to them; they Shout changed out. our lives. <laughs> they really did. Uh, but I remember the the refugee resettlement agency director opening the door and just apologizing to my father and saying, "Look, you know, we didn't have a lot of time. We were given uh, barely a week." To to know that you were coming so we couldn't find something good so my apologies for this thing this place not being up to our standards blah 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 carlos i walk into this place and there's a living room fully furnished there's a television never had a tv before but there it was there was a dining room just stuck with dine, beautiful dining table there was a fireplace and then there was a room that she called a study whatever that is and then <laughs> there was a room she called a kitchen with a fridge and and three bedrooms and 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 i'm thinking to myself why in the world is this lady apologizing <laughs> apologizing what is she apologizing for but the thing that struck me was she went into one of the rooms uh, that she called the kitchen and she spoke a lot of French um, and I didn't speak English at the time but she she pushed this metal thing up she just kind of flicked it up and what appeared to be clean water came pouring out wow so so I went over to her and I tapped her on the shoulder and I said is that what I think it is? And she's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's water. Uh, and I said, well, you, can you drink it? And she stuck her head underneath and started drinking from it to, to show me that it was clean and good to drink. So I also stuck my head underneath <laughs> and it was the most purest water I'd ever tasted in my entire life. And I, I could have stayed there forever, but eventually wow. I came up for air, Carlos. And I asked her. <laughs> I'm glad. You know, I'm glad you did. <laughs> I asked her. Uh, 
how many of these do we have in my house? You know, and she said, yeah, well, this is a faucet. And, you know, we, we counted. I had eight different holes where clean water came pouring out of my house. And all the villages I had grown up in up to this point combined didn't have one. Wow. Wow. Didn't have one. That's when I realized the magnitude of what we had just found ourselves in. Wow. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, gosh, I need the listener to, <laughs> you know, that that's why your story is so powerful, Eve, because um, th- there's things that people take for granted every single day. Um, f- faucets where clean water comes out of, mm. or how about a grandma or a grandpa or an uncle? Um, you know, th- there's things that, that you had to grow up without. Um, and so you get to Buffalo, you walk into this, this, the most incredible place you've ever lived in after somebody's apologizing for where a you're going to live. A mansion. Yeah. And it's a mansion to you. And then tell me this, do you, do you feel at that point, um, do you feel it from your parents? Do you feel it from your siblings? Do you feel any semblance of hope rise up inside of you or are, is your anger still suppressing it? Well, you know, at that point of my life, I had begun to work uh, through my anger and had found my way uh, to a semblance of just a new life as a result of something that had happened three, three and a half years prior. And I can okay, tell you go. about that right let's now. Let's go back. Let, let's yeah, rewind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's rewind. Um, about three years before we moved to the States, um, I, you know, my, my dad's a pastor and we had a church, um, that he, he had been compelled, uh, to, to, to plant, um, in, in, in Lome and Togo and, uh, one of the poorest countries in the world, but dad is a pastor and you can't, you can't take that out of him. And he mm, was yeah. dedicated to bringing huh. tangible hope to every community we found ourselves uh, in. It. In fact, I, I remember growing up. Uh, he would say things like, oh, you know, we're, <laughs> we're missionaries here. And I'm like, no, we're not. We're here because <laughs> the last government kicked us out. We right. don't have a choice. <laughs> we're literally illegals in this place. And you're telling us that God has ordained our steps and let us wow. here. It was madness. Wow. But he believed wow. it, you know, he believed mm. it. And oftentimes I would hear from him and one of his closest friends, Eve, you know, it doesn't matter what happens to, to, to us. You must love God and you must love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. But I, I always got caught up on, on that word neighbor, you know, because it mm. was my grandfather's and uh, my grandma and my grandpa, on my dad's side, their neighbors that marched down wow. the street in the middle of the night with, with machetes and took their, their lives. Literal neighbors. Yeah. So how wow. could, you know, how could you ex- expect me to love my neighbor? But he, he believed yeah. it. And along the way, he would start these prayer groups and, and, and these uh, community, th- these tiny communities within our community to sort of support each other. Because at the time with nothing, with nothing on the horizon and no one coming to help us, Carlos, hope was our currency. Wow. And he was determined wow. to share that with everyone he knew. Now, you know, hope is universal, right? It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what race, creed, religion you belong to. 
everyone understands hope and everyone needs hope. But he, mm. as as a believer, he knew that hope has a, had a name and that name was Jesus. Wow. And he was dedicated to sharing that hope with everyone he met. And uh, on a couple of occasions, those small Bible studies turned into church plants. And on one mm. occasion... Uh, missionaries that had worked with him in the past uh, provided the funds. So it was no longer a church under the mango tree. It was a church with a, fir- a permanent physical structure where people could worship in, but really? but also serve their communities out of. And that's mm. where it, on that, on those grounds that um, these gifts, these gifts came to us that, that wow. would come to change my life. The first gift I'd ever received, and uh, you know these these shoebox gifts from a ministry <laughs> called Operation Christmas Child, and I remember oh, yeah, man, I remember it, I remember putting those boxes together. Uh, oh man, you the to anyone listening, you have no <laughs> idea what those things mean. That wow. was hope so personified. That was mm. tangible hope, something that I could hold in my hand. It was the first gift that I'd, I'd ever received. But more importantly, it was the first act of kindness that I had ever experienced from a humanity that I had grown to despise and sworn to despise for the rest of my life because of what they had put us through. Wow. And inside of that gift, there was a tiny little sticky note. Um, and they read, God loves you. Jesus loves you. I love you. Now, I knew the first two lines. I had heard them <laughs> before at church from my dad. Uh, but that last line, and I love you from a member of that very humanity that I hated and was committing committed to hate forever, yeah, telling yeah. me that they loved me. But not only that, they weren't just spewing words. They sent me proof of their love in the form of the first and only gift filled with the very things that I would have, I, I had only dreamt of. And that, <laughs> that was the catalyst, Carlos. That was the catalyst. That was my first sight of hope in my life. And it was the catalyst for all the work of healing that uh, ensued that I'm, you know, this didn't happen overnight. Uh, it happened over time. I'm still a work sure. in progress. It's a commitment yeah. to, to choose to forgive every single day. But that sticky note was as a turning point in my life. And uh, thankfully, when we got to the States, I had begun to um, really embrace that hope that I had found and continue to do the work so I could overcome the hatred that I carried with me. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, gosh, you know, it's, I just, as, a, as Americans, you know, I know there's people that listen to this podcast all over the world, but I want to speak just specifically to like the American uh, that may wonder sometimes, I mean, you know, I'm giving money to this thing that's helping. Mm. They're telling me that it's helping some organization somewhere. Mm. Um, But you're living proof that, that literally there are children that are receiving uh, love because, because we're we're trusting an organization and we're giving, can can you tell, do you remember what was in that shoebox? Oh, absolutely. I do. Um, (laughs) Of course I do. In fact, I don't know if I have it. Oh, let's go. No way, man. I know I have it somewhere here. I wasn't prepared to share it. Oh, Um, no, no, that's okay. But, Carlos, (laughs) you're inspiring something. I like your your Holy Holy Spirit go attitude here. Let's go, let's go. This scarf um, was in my shoebox. 17 years ago. I still have it with me. Uh, It was at the very bottom of my box. It's the most valuable thing I own. 
Um, in fact, it should be in my safe right now, but I just moved. So my things aren't where they're supposed to be. But the reason why it's the most <laughs> valuable thing I own is because um, it serves as just a powerful reminder of just God's providence. The fact that he knew my past and all the <laughs> hatred I carried with me and um, just he made a way for me to work through that by providing this tiny gift that would become the wow. catalyst for what I am today. But in our struggles as, as refugees, he knew our present and he made a way for us to overcome that. And in the same way, he knew my past, my present, mm-hmm. he knew my future. He knew three years after I received that, that box, I would land in Buffalo, New York. So he gave me a scarf. A scarf. Someone said a scarf. Let me tell you, Carlos, I tried trading that item for so many other ah. things. All the kids laughed in my face. You That's know? amazing. But, but the thing that was crucial, you know, for adult Eve was that sticky note. The thing that was most memorable is that scarf and because I still have it with me. Yeah, but the thing yeah. that gave me a chance to start having a childhood was this red toy car. Um, mm. I believe they're called Hot Wheels. Uh, Hot Wheels, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, But up until that moment, our toy cars were, we would go into the woods and and the trash and find juice boxes, which is so hard to find. And, you know, we barely have water. No one has juice. So you would go into the rich areas and try to find juice boxes and we would poke (laughs) holes uh, in them and insert a couple of sticks and then use bottle caps as wheels. And then we would tie a little piece of string on it. That was my toy car growing up. And in that box, there was a real... Uh, toy car and for me and I got to play with that for the first time and it gave me a chance to just be a kid man uh, you know I, I need if you're listening to this podcast and you're um, not watching it I need you to go over to the YouTube channel to watch when you pulled out that scarf <laughs> I, I literally I mean I felt the weightiness of it because like mm. I, I mean it was it's right there next to you and you got that 20? in a box right it's right there and you got that 17 years ago. And what I love is that God was like preparing you to move to Buffalo, um, you know, as a 15 year old, talk to us about maybe, maybe the process of hanging on to hope once you got to Buffalo as a 15 year old and into young adulthood. Uh, Carlos, we, we, um, and by we, I mean my siblings, yeah. And my mom and dad, we didn't have a choice. Mm. You know, we were, we were the ones that quote unquote got out. Yeah. Wow. And the only choice was to commit every minute to making sure the people that we had left behind weren't forgotten. You know, one of the most, um, in just inspiring people that I know is my brother Fidel and Fidel was four years old when I was born. Um, and my mom, uh, gave birth to me with no medical attention, uh, no, just no pain meds and nothing. She, you know, we were in the refugee camps. Uh, and as a result of that experience, Fidel early on as a kid, he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do something about this because no woman should ever have to go through this. And he was like, I'm going to be a doctor that takes care of pregnant women someday. And we're like, dude, look around. There's no medical school here. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, you know, that, that's a, you know, 
pipe dream, you know. Um, but Fidel got here when we did, um, and you know, we he was a senior in high school when we got here. Just worked his butt off, got some scholarships, took some loans, went to college, uh, finished undergrad, and was like, "I'm still wanting to become a doctor that takes care of pregnant women." And he was able to go to med school. And Carlos, he is a OBGYN. He's a doctor. He's a physician today in Memphis, Tennessee. Wow. We had no I choice. Love that. We had no choice. Yes. And the truth, the same is true for my other, all my other siblings, even mom and dad. You know, we had no choice yeah. um, but mm. to cling on to that hope and make sure as much of it gets back home to the very places we grew up in, because there it is so scarce and 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 so limited, and um, it, we just had no choice. Mm. Uh, that that is okay. I'm going to take a little turn here um, that I didn't know I was going to take because when you said that I immediately, it's so palpable, just the truth of the fact that your family did have no choice yet. How can you talk to Americans or whoever's listening to this podcast right now that actually they do have a choice. They, They actually do have a choice on whether to go all in with hope, all in with like, you know what? they're listening and they haven't been prepped. Their back hasn't been pushed up against a wall Uh to where they're like, Oh my, like you guys thought you had to do it. But I feel like that should be the way we all live. That should be the way everybody approaches this life. So talk to us that maybe haven't been in the situation that your family was in, but get us to the place where we can feel that same uh, that same feeling of like, no, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to get up. We're going to go because we don't have a choice. So as my kids are growing up, as they're turning into young adults, I start looking around and seeing what they could afford to buy with these first really good jobs. And you know what's crazy? It is crazy out here in these interest rates streets. I mean, they absolutely sucks. And the news is all kinds of crazy about how bad interest rates are, okay? Making it sound like the world is coming to an end, like my kids will never in their lifetime be able to buy a home. Now, the reality is people still need to move. They got to move for work. They got to buy a home. They have to live in homes. You can't rent everything. And maybe they've saved up, and I know my kids are saving up, to buy a home. But problem is it's so hard with these interest rates. So what I want you to know is that if you need to buy a home, if my kids need to buy a home, if I need to buy a home this year, you'd be crazy not to use United Faith Mortgage for two reasons. Number one, they've got this really cool thing called direct lender advantage. They use their own money within their own walls and there's no middleman. For you, this often means they can get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. And number two, on all new home purchases, they pay $1,000 of your closing costs, which is really rare. Add in that they're a family team. United Faith Mortgage is the way to go. Hey guys, head over to unitedfaithmortgage.com to find out more. Our next part 
Our next partner is Butcher Box. Oh my gosh, y'all know I love my meat. The other day when I went to a restaurant, I actually ordered something called the Hunter's Platter. Why? Well, because it was filled with nothing but meat. But let me tell you something. It was not that Butcher Box meat. My wife cooked up the other day on her Blackstone Grill some pork tenderloins that had me wanting to slap somebody. They were so, so juicy and so, so seasoned. It was really, really good. I love that I don't have to worry about searching for good quality meat anymore, right? We used to order our meat from somewhere in Oregon and now it just comes straight to my door and I don't even have to worry about sending out the order every single week. It just comes every week. It gives me a peace of mind, right? ButcherBox takes the guesswork out of finding high quality meat and seafood that we can trust. It is 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Humanely raised, no antibiotics, no added hormones. This is some healthy stuff, and it's so convenient. Get just what you want delivered right to your doorstep. You get to choose from a variety of box plans, from curated to customized, and change your plan whenever you want, right? We got our plan. We love our plan. Now, I want to let you know something. Just recently, just recently, as in three days ago, that pork tenderloin that my wife made... I had a friend over that loves meat. Like like they're like, you know, like snobby meat guy. And he was blown away that we got that meat in the mail. No lie. It is so convenient and it is so, so fresh. This Black Friday, Butcher Box is offering our listeners one of their best steak deals. Get two 10-ounce ribeyes free in every box for a whole year when you join. Plus an additional $10 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash human hope and use code human hope. That's free ribeyes for a year plus $10 off at butcherbox.com slash human hope with code human hope. Man, it's... And, or is it even possible? Is it even possible to, to get somebody to understand? And that's the challenge, right? I, that, that's the challenge. I've, I've spent the, um, the, the last, ever since I left college, I've spent the last seven, eight, almost nine years of my life uh, committed to conveying to the masses uh, with my work yeah. the feasibility of seemingly unsolvable issues Mm. and how we can address and solve them if we just come together and embrace the thought of a better tomorrow. And that's the challenge, you know, conveying that we can, like we can do it. It's not too big of a, of a dream. It's not impossible. We just need to be just not just dedicated, but be intentional in making sure every action, every step we take is in service to whatever mission statement gets you out of bed every day. And, you know, this is a tough question, right, Carlos? This is, I I don't have all the answers, but to me, um, you know, what gets me out of bed every day? And I would ask anyone listening that very question, you know, what, 
what yeah. gets you why why do you feel like you're here what do you feel like you were mm. created to do because everyone has a purpose and the reason why everyone. i believe everyone has a purpose mm. is because everyone has a gift some mm-hmm. people were blessed extra extra gift but every single one has right. of us has a gift and i believe that there is someone out there who is in need of what only you can offer yes yes so what is that oh for gosh. you and yeah. what does that look like for you and uh, how do you feel about um the days when you you know walk away from it or turn your back yeah. from it um at least that's the oh way i see it <laughs> that is so i'm telling you this is firing me up because the 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 way that you say it and, and lay it out going again back i mean again i think the the sentence i'm taking out from this is like we had no choice but to hope, right? And and I think to myself, okay, you know what I'm going to do? Like, I'm in the situation in my life where I can actually deliver that hope to somebody mm. that we can be that hope to somebody that where they're thinking, well, I've got no choice but to hope. Who is going to be the one that shows up to prove that my hope actually is rooted in something? Mm. And we can be those people, you know, like, like, um, um, I mean, I mean, I, I love that for you, um, your family was, was, you're right. Like you had to get up every single day. There's those of us that I want to say it this way. We have the choice to make the choice mm. that we've got no choice, but to hope, mm. you know, that there's three choices in a row. It's mm. like, it's like, it's like, we have an opportunity to make the choice that we have no choice mm. but to believe in hope, right? That's and so, good, like, Carlos. we actually, good. we actually can, like, we can feel what even his family felt if we decide that that is going to be a choice we're going to make. And man, I, that's what I'm like fired up to do. Is like, holy, holy cow! Like, I can wake up tomorrow and make mm. the choice that I got no choice but to hope. Yeah, you know? that's what you're what you're pouring into me. There, there is so much. Uh, Carlos, I can talk to you all day. There is so Let's much, there's so much just, it's not passive, right? It's active. Mm. It's not yes. complacent. It's intentional. It's not yes. just being a bystander. It's contributing. It's just, it takes effort, yep. but the first step is to become aware and, and mindful mm. that you do have a choice to make the choice to embrace that. Hope. Yes. Ah, so good. Yes. Carlos. That is, that is awesome. I, um, I'd love to, I'd love to end the conversation with just asking you, you know, what, what do you have hope for in 2023? Like, like, you know, this could be like, Oh, like my favorite football team is actually <laughs> going to be better. It could be like, Oh, like I may get, I, I got a girl that I think is, you know, like what, what are you hoping for in 2023? Man, Carlos, I, I just, um, uh, I just switched jobs recently. Okay. Um, and my, my hopes, uh, are within, that space and i'd love to share a little bit about that please do Uh, you know i'm working with an organization that's dedicated to communicating that hope we keep talking about in tangible ways and you know one of the things that this organization is doing this is an organization called icm uh what they're doing is what we're doing uh especially since we've been talking about refugees uh you know 
refugees in Ukraine today are spending or out of Ukraine are spending so many nights in facilities that ICM is providing called the Hope Centers. Can't make wow. this up. This is what we call you know, these 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 buildings, these structures, Amazing. these uh, you know the the resources and everything that we do in these spaces is helping to take care of of Ukrainian refugees um, in, in, in these Hope Centers. And my hope for twenty twenty three is just as a as a refugee myself as a, as a child yeah. of war i want to i want to see this war uh come to an end um mm, but wow but uh, until it does um i, I want to see more people um actively engaged in supporting the people that yeah i've been you have become homeless nationless countryless fatherless mm. as a result of it and 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 icm is helping to come alongside our families uh, ukrainian families who are in moldova and, and romania and places like poland where they've escaped to and bringing them that tangible hope so my hope is that more people around the world will just be awake to the fact that that, that it's not yeah. just this 24 hours news cycle it happened uh, now there's something else happening so we've moved on uh, but that the world will would just turn uh, you know their their eyes back to some of these issues and try to provide tangible hope uh, to to a family out there now you know especially now you know thanksgiving is what next week yeah, yeah, bro. Thanksgiving. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. What state I'm in. <laughs> but yeah, thanks, I get it. <laughs> Thanksgiving is coming up, and so much of what we do as a country is, is giving thanks. But also, uh, in the, the following the week after Thanksgiving, we have what we call Giving Tuesday, and uh, yeah. where the country comes together and, and tries to just help support someone out there, someone mm. who is in a worse circumstance than they are, and in the climate that we're in. And after going through the last couple of years, that is needed more now than ever. And for me, yeah. for my life to have taken the turn that it, it, it has, it, it took a, a $15 shoebox gift <laughs> and a tiny wow. little sticky note uh, for my brother yep. to become who he is today and helping the people that he is and all my other siblings. It didn't take much. So I just want to mm. encourage people listening today to just... Just share hope with someone out there, yeah. but do it in a tangible way. Something yes. they can feel, touch, um, mm. and, and see. Yeah. And to think that you, a refugee yourself, would be boots on the ground, uh, caring for and helping um, get resources to refugees that are fleeing um, their homeland you know, right now is something that, you know, the only God, like only God would place you in that. And, and just so the, you know, so, you know, and even some of the newer listeners know, um, ICM actually, I, the, my Instagram, um, partnered with ICM and we built eight churches, uh, with ICM, uh, last year. And so a lot of the people that are wow. listening to this, when you said ICM, wow. uh, a lot of people that are listening are probably like, Oh, wait a second. 
I gave money to Carlos's little giving blitz wow. and we ended up, you know, we ended up going to, um, to uh, Gulu and seeing the churches that we built. So wow. people are very familiar that are listening to this podcast with ICM. And so like, let's just, let's make it even soup, even more tangible. This podcast isn't like sponsored by ICM. Nobody's like paying me like to say this, this is out of my own heart. Mm-hmm. I want you to give us a direct way to be able to tangibly give, is there is is there something that I see that we can give to ICM like every, all the listeners right now? You know, yes, there's something that everybody uh, can do. Um, like I was saying just moment ago, uh, you know, it took a shoebox um, yeah. for 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 me to receive the sticky note uh, and my life to be changed forever. But those shoeboxes don't just land out there in the in the desert. Those shoe boxes need bigger boxes. They need mm. they need churches. They need orphanages. They need hope centers. They need communities that have the resources to be able to follow up with these kids, with these families, and be able to continue that 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 journey of, of finding yeah. hope. And this is what ICM is doing. And you know where uh, Thanksgiving is next week, and the week after that is is Giving Tuesday. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to encourage anyone out there who, who's thinking, you know, I want to help. I, I just don't know how. Well, here, here's a way you can help. You don't have to build a Hope Center by yourself you know, <laughs> right. for, for $15,000, even though you can in right, a lot right. of places around hey, the world. If someone's listening, if, <laughs> you can do it. All right? <laughs> I, we won't stop you. Carlos and I will not stop you. <laughs> That's uh, right. but, but, you know, e- even though you can do that for 15000 just $15 can go a long mm. way. Uh, yeah. to, to, to contributing to, to a refugee family out there from, from yeah. the Ukraine or all around the world, actually, where there's crisis or, or church congregation. And, and, and you know, I, I want you to go to, um, to ICM.org this, this yeah. coming Tuesday. I don't know what the date is coming Tuesday. It's, what is that? The, 29th. It's the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So November 29th, if you can just go to ICM.org, uh, you will see a giant banner that will direct you to giving for, for giving Tuesday. And this is a tangible way that you can make a direct, you, mm-hmm. you can make direct impact on, on the, on the families around the world who are in need of the very tangible hope that we have an abundance of here in this country, Carlos. Yes, absolutely. And um, I, I don't know if you know this or not, Eve, but um, I am, and again, don't, I guess everyone's going to know now, but um, <laughs> I, I'm actually going with ICM to Kigali in June to try no to way. build a bunch of churches. Yep. So no may, maybe way. you can go with me, bro. <laughs> I would love to come with you. <laughs> Let, you let's know? figure it out. But but uh, I I just wow. kind of finished storing up the details and we're starting to plan the trip um, to wow. go back out with ICM. And I need everyone that's listening to know, like, listen, like you guys know the the organizations that I like believe in, Compassion International, ICM, to write love in our arms. There's not a whole bunch of organizations that I talk about, like just mm. blatant like this i have seen the work on the ground and so you guys can trust me if you trust me your money is going to an incredible incredible space so man bro i am i'm fired i'm ready to go bust through this brick wall and go and go help some people choose some hope man I will come with you, Carlos. And the truth is, <laughs> I would not be here myself if it weren't 
if if it weren't for exactly what you just said, I wouldn't be here mm. if I didn't believe in the mission of, of this organization. Yeah. I wouldn't be wasting my time because right. my mom gave up far too much for me to waste a second of it. And just I'm coming with you, man. Let's choose Let's hope go. every single day. Let's go. Hey, bro, you are a new family member of the Human Hope Familia. Thanks for <sighs> hanging out with us and giving us a little bit of hope. Man, I'm honored to be here, man. Grateful for yeah. your friendship. <laughs> I I don't know what to say. Um, it's one of those conversations that I'm um, literally shook. Literally. Thank you, Eve, for coming on here and sharing your heart. Um, and my challenge is, yeah, what's it going to take for you to see somebody and free somebody? Maybe it's heading over to ICM.org. Or maybe it's just going to find that person that you know is desperate to hear three words that changed Eve's life. I love you. Even to a stranger, it can change their lives. Hey, friends and fam, thanks for hanging out on another episode of the Human Hope Podcast. I hope this was everything I hyped it up to be and even more. I need to let you know something. You matter and you have hope and we can choose we can choose today just like even his family did we can choose to have no other option than to hope that's my choice today i'll see you next week on another episode of human 